All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for our eighth installment of the Grace, the Power of the Gospel series. Now, the subtitle for today's lesson is Renew Your Mind. Renew Your Mind. Now, I know this is something that if you have followed this ministry for any amount of time, you know that this, this subject is something that is a consistent theme, running theme. But there's a reason for this, because the scriptures declare that the renewing of the mind is something that is imperative for our walk with the Lord. So we're going to go to one of our favorite scriptures tonight. We'll start there. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Looking at verses 1 and 2. Now, I'm going to read a few different translations here. All right, so what I'll do, I'm going to start with the old school King James. And then, then I'm going to read the Amplified Classic. Okay. All right. In the King James, verses 1 and 2 in Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's listen to this in the Amplified. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Now you see in the Amplified, it really blows up verse two. It says, do not be conformed to this world or this age now, when you, when you hear that word age or world, it's not talking about the, the earth as, a, as the planet or sphere, but we're talking about what? We're talking about the culture, the, the, the ideologies, the philosophies of men. Do not be conformed to those philosophies. And then you read in the parentheses here, don't be fashioned after and adapted to his external superficial customs. Because each culture, each system has a 
certain paradigm or philosophy. So when I use those words paradigm or philosophy, what am I talking about? We talking about how we look at the world, how we view things, right? So the, the, the way we view things, it has everything to do with how we think and how we behave. All that stuff is, is correlated. Because if I look at something through a certain lens, then what, what reality I see for me is based on the lens I'm looking through. Because I can look at Mary right now. If I had on red glasses, Mary's going to look red, right? But now in reality, is her skin red? No. But if that's the lens I'm looking through, that's what I'm going to see. So Paul, is he's imploring us to not be conformed to this world, to this age. And this, this age, the culture, whatever culture, natural culture we live in, has an ideology, has an opinion about how we are to do life or how to look at things. And how many of us know that a lot of it, if not all of it, is diametrically opposed to what the scripture says? I think we are, we are commanded to preach the truth in love. But the world preach love without truth. So they, you know, they preach the love message, love everybody, this and that. But yet, except every truth that comes with that. And he says, you know, so it's the culture. If the culture says this is okay, then you're just supposed to love them and accept the the idea, you know, whatever they say, you know, it's okay. Just love people. You know, but the Bible said, well, we got to preach the truth in love. And I think the church, we, we, we haven't always done a good job of doing that, though. Because I think sometimes we, we sacrifice. You can do either one. You can sacrifice, you know, truth for love. Meaning that, you know, okay, we preach the truth, but don't love the person, which means we can be judgmental, condemning, you know. But yet we're right, but it's the way we're doing it is very condemning. And so people may reject that. But at the same time, you know, we can preach, you know, you can sacrifice, in other words, I say truth, with, uh, I mean, with, for love. So basically, okay, don't worry about what the Bible says. Or don't worry about just love them and they'll be okay and God wants to love them and we just never say, how wrong the way they're thinking is. And so, you know, we don't either boast our inspection instead of saying, okay, it's okay. You know, I disagree with you, but I still love you. Mm -hmm. And we can do that. And sometimes the world, you know, they just want to say, okay, well, not just love me and accept for who I am and accept the way I live. And, and the Bible don't teach that. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, okay, we have to preach the truth and all. Okay, I got to tell you the truth. I love you. 
But I gotta tell you the truth. I can't sugarcoat it or, as we would say, water it down just to make you feel comfortable. You know, I have to, if the word says wrong, I have to tell you it's wrong, regardless. And sometimes, you know, especially in certain situations, depending on, you know, what, um, what's the word I want to use? in Hollywood or whatever job you may not get promoted because you stand for the truth or you may not you know get the position or in Hollywood you may not get the part because you stand for the truth so and you've got to be okay with that but I think yeah we we definitely have to preach the truth and love, but the world just, they want love without truth. I was thinking when you, I mean, that follows right with where I was thinking is even in the church itself, we have those paradigms that we bought into right. and and um, not looked at the word. We've just built our understanding of what Jesus has said and who he is based on our culture instead of on the truth of the word mm-hmm. and good. then we've been sharing it out that way and now we're wondering why we can't cope in this world that is so troubled and rocking so far yeah, and yeah. most of it is because we don't know what God said we haven't built our life on that that's good that's good and when Eric said love without truth that's a tagline because you can see how you can lean on one side or the other, right? You know, to have a a, a perception of what love is and say, love is to be accepting of everything and everybody. Right. Is that really love though? It begs the question because if, if I know you and you're driving down the road and I see there's a cliff 10 miles away and you're, you're going 50 miles per hour in the wrong direction and I have the ability to say, hey, you're going in the wrong direction. If I don't say anything, if I don't encourage you to turn around, am I loving you? But now the way it's portrayed in some instances, I'm supposed to just accept the fact that you're about to run off that cliff and not say nothing, right? What is that love? I think we struggle depending on who it is. Um, we may not have a problem, you know, you may not have a problem telling a stranger, somebody you're not close to, that hey, this is wrong. But when they're close, when it's when it's close-knit family or close friendship, and they're in that same situation, then sometimes we tend to say, eh, 
when they did it or if they in it, then man, I might not say anything. Because that's family or that's they close. Or there's that bond there. So mm-hmm. we may be very reluctant to say what the word says. Well, that bring, that actually brings up something that I've been thinking a lot about and really asking the Lord is um, to know when to say something, when it's time to wait, to, to ask the Holy Spirit to really make it clear because, you know, all day long you're bumping into people anyway (laughs) and I just I find it very hard to know like when do you say something when do you not when do you just pass on your way when you know each one of those people has or has not a relationship with the Lord you know when do you just get in somebody's face even if you don't know them very well or when do you um, hold back with a family member because it's not the right time (laughs) That's what I'm asking the Lord because it's I don't I don't have that sweet rhythm <laughs> of knowing it always. Right. Yeah, I'm learning. But I'm no, learning but to listen for the Lord, but it's, it's none of us. Journey. Yeah, none of us do, and that's no. the thing because it's a it's a it's a lifestyle of dependence on Him. Mm-hmm. That's the place that we we are in the best position is to be dependent. Not dependent on other people, but dependent on him. Yeah. Right. Because it, like you said, I don't have, you know, you don't have no clue what's going on in the heart of that person. You pass this person and you could have this set in your mind. You could have just went to a five-day evangelistic prophetic conference <laughs> and you and you'd like, okay, I'm I need to read this person mail and just call them out because they 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 need the Lord, and I'm going to witness today, right? Now, you can go in there, share the truth, but the soil not be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And it can have the exact opposite effect, mm-hmm. right? But the person in the room next to them, their soul, their soil can be ready. Even though they, their countenance or something may not show it. It wouldn't be the person you necessarily would approach or right. want to approach. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit, no. Yeah. And that's where all of us, that's the journey all of us are on to be more sensitive to him. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the sweet spot. And that's what I'm finding is it's it's taking, it's almost like, take. it feels like taking a step back to... Um, to learn the heart of the Father again, to to work on relationship with Him and with with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, you know, three in one, to work on those relationships of of love and intimacy and communication, trusting that out of that will come more clarity in the physical world and experiences and things like that clarify for me if i'm all wrong on this but i mean that's where i'm coming to but i'm around people 
all day long, back and forth, because I'm helping with mom, people who I know are, are dying soon. And and we're in a world that just is shaking so much. I'm saying, it's not long, guys. It's not long. Right. And so I'm realizing the urgency mm-hmm. in my heart, in my spirit, and I'm thinking, I really want to I want to learn this stuff. I want to learn how to better communicate the gospel individually to people, the way it resonates with their hearts. And I know that's really the Holy Spirit bubbling out. But okay. it's interesting. the nuance I mean, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I've messed up a lot because what he talked about, I did that, where it's like, okay, I got a minister today, okay, you know, and like he said, the, the soul wasn't ready, but you know, you felt compelled just to win mm-hmm. souls and, and And the zeal, Lord is so yeah. good and merciful. I believe yeah. still something, something falls on ground that possibly later is used. I don't know, but yeah. he is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know, yeah, because he does, like you say, he merciful because he could have took, you know, like they say, Eric just said, you know what, I'm witnessing this dude today, whatever, I don't even care. And let's say he did it. And, you know, let's say Eric gave him a track. And after Eric left, he threw it in the trash. Right. right? And then he just, you know, he pissed off the rest of the day. <laughs> All right. But he, he remembered that scripture that Eric shared. That guy go home. He, he just remembers that weird dude that confronted him. And he, he, <laughs> let's, say, let's say he goes home, right? And then he starts talking to his mama. And, you know, he loves his mother. And they get to talking. And she shares some stuff with him. And then she shares that verse that Eric used when he was witnessing. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the second time. Right. And, and the then, first time softened the ground, maybe. <laughs> right, the, first, you know, for the first time he was like, it, it put that, it threw, the seed was out there, but it kind of bounced off the soil. <laughs> but but he maybe, talked, but, maybe it softened it because it's. But the, to, he talking to, the, to talk to his mother, though, it's like, okay, he remembered. Holy Spirit bring that. That verse to remembrance, right? And let's say he get he, you know, he's he feeling bad. He get he's like, man, I'm, I'm tired of all this Bible junk. I'm, I'm gonna go get me a beer, man. Shoot. So he go get some beer. He's feeling a little tipsy. He turns the TV on. He drops the remote, and then some Christian programming is on. Hmm. And then the preacher is preaching from that scripture that Eric shared. The next thing you know, this dude is giving his life to the Lord mm-hmm. after the message about 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, because you, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. So scripture says word would not return void. So even though, you know, he, that's not what his hope is for. And that's what it is. It's like we we not gonna get it perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's, the word is the word. Truth is truth. Mm-hmm. Right? So, if truth is out there, it has an opportunity to penetrate our heart. Mm-hmm. Right? So, that, that, is, that definitely is the right thing to do. But now, I'm, I'm, obviously, the Holy Spirit is the one who can guide us into being more precise and more impactful of how we share. And the, and the reality is, the most the most effective witness into who we have is a lifestyle of love, anyway. 
it was interesting. Like I said, that, that situation I dealt with with my coworker, and, and you know, and my beyond this, through conversation with other people, you know, it crossed your mind. You, say, you know, he he does need Christ, but it's interesting. You don't know how people are watching you. So instead of me going to him, he came to me. Hmm. It's like, I want to see you. And so that's why he said lifestyle, because if people see you living something, then, like he says, when their heart is ready, and they say, you know what? I know that dude got something. I mean, I need to talk to him about this situation, this circumstance, or this problem. Because, you know, I know he's, you know, a Christian. You know, he's a preacher. You know, maybe he can help me with my situation. So, like he said, the Holy Spirit knows what the opportunity. Because if I had gone to him a year before and just said, okay, you know what, this guy. Then, yeah, yeah, his walls. And just, you know, like I said, once again, even though seed him in song, but would have been receptive. But now the Holy Spirit says, okay, he's ready. Mm-hmm. And he's coming to you. I'm, I'm giving you opportunity here to show love and the opportunity to present the gospel mm-hmm. that this person may receive Christ. So like he says, we all ain't here because I messed up a lot. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when you learn how to say, okay, God, you know, I'm trusting you to lead me to opportunities to share the gospel where people would be receptive to it. And, and I've learned, you know, even when you share it that day, they may not receive, but of course the scripture said you can water somebody else. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then the only way you sow somebody else water and God gives the increase. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at John one seventeen. Let's start at verse sixteen. Read seventeen. And the King James says, And of his fullness we have have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In the New Living Translation, in verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. So Jesus embodies both. And that's what our call is, is to embody both. Because yeah. even though we we are around people and we, we're dealing with our own shortcomings and flaws ourselves, we don't deny the 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 standard that's there, the how you know we ought to live, if, if for lack of a better way to say it. Um but 
we are compelled to, to, to grow in such a way that it's not us trying to earn anything from him. We're growing because of our relationship with him, our inner continued interaction and him allowing that renewal of the mind to happen because of our exposure to him in many different ways. That's it. Right. Just like we're the exposure is what gives you the heart. Right. 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 And that exposure comes in many, in many, many different ways. Right. Yeah. Just like just like what we're doing right now. And when we do it in our in, in our private time, when we're talking to him, and when we're 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 listening to his his word being taught in a different setting, or when we are mm-hmm. praising, listening to worship music, praising him, like all the, that time focused on how good he is, mm-hmm. and what and what he's done, and what he's called us to do, all of that. All these spiritual disciplines that we we talk about, it is the avenue by which we our minds are renewed because our spirit man has already been changed. That was instant, right? Old things passed away, all things have become brand new. So the process now of the renewing of the mind, that's what that's where the rubber meets the road. You know. To, to to see how much of that inner man that the world is going to be allowed to see through you. I heard it say years ago, I believe it now, but years ago I heard somebody say that after you get saved, the most important thing you can do is to renew your mind. And I'm saying that because I think people get saved, but then we stop there. Yeah. I'm a Christian, but you know, I don't spend time in the world. I don't spend time finding out who I am in Christ. What does God say about me? What does God say about that? And so, um, finding out what He's done for us, right, in detail, right. And so, but when you don't renew your mind, then you just you operating off an old program. Yeah. You're saved, but you still have the mm-hmm. the old software. And so you still, you know, and for a long time, I really, I wondered, okay, why is this person, you know, can you say you say, but you still doing this or you doing that, or, and that behavior does not go along with what a Christian is supposed to be. So I'm like, and for a long time, I struggled. How can you say you say, even still do this? And then I ran across the teaching that said, okay, what well, you can be a Christian, but if your mind has not been renewed to the things of God, you can still be going in the same direction, going the same behavior to a certain extent, but yet be born again because you have not changed the way you think. Yeah. And so it's like, okay. And so that's why I said the most important thing you can do is renew your mind because as you renew your mind, then your behavior won't change as you embrace the teachings of the word of God says, okay, I can't do that anymore. I'm not supposed to be having this way. And God says, this is who I am. He said, I can do this. Then I believe it and begin to walk in it. I see it as such an important step to, to choose because it's what's going to make us a useful vessel as well. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's it's it's all about relationship, but but um, he does compare us to vessels, and we can be common or we can be uncommon. But of course, you know, most of what we hear from the pulpit is, and we hear it, the salvation message, mm-hmm. you know, accept Jesus Christ, your sins forgiven. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, people get saved and thank God for that. But what about after that? Wonder, okay, you know, you told me if I accept your crime, it's hey, okay, I got that, I'm good. And then we stop there. And we eventually wind up in discouragement or defeat mm-hmm. or or um, anger and bitterness. I mean, that's what I see more than right. most things, and that's what just really pings my heart because it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be the answer if we don't start seeing things through the lens of Christ instead of through our own lens. That's right. That's right. I'm looking at Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter one. I read that in the Second Peter one, looking at verses two and three in the King James, and I'm gonna read verse two in the Amplified as well. It says, "Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness." through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Now, look at everything that's, that's packed in those two verses. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. They were through, through what? The knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. In Thayer's definition for that word knowledge, it says, Precise and correct knowledge. Precise and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So having a clear picture of who he is. A precise picture. Not a picture that has been shaded or distorted by the culture. But allowing the word to give us a clear picture. Of who he is. And that's the way to experience the grace and the peace multiplied. Verse 2 in the Amplified says, May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts, be multiplied to you in the full personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So we can argue about whether to celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday or whatever, but we better have 
a clear understanding of who Jesus is. That's the doctrine we got to get correct. Yeah. If we want to have grace and peace multiplied. Because he is the Prince of Peace. He is the source. Without him, I can't have none of this. It is interesting. You know, we, we pray for, you know, we, we pray prayers and they will, you know, give me more peace. You know, give me more of this. But it says here, it's multiplied through the knowledge. So the more knowledge you have, you know, the more peace, you know, you're going to have. Well, and I keep thinking uh, that particular um if if peace is part of the fruit of the spirit and we have the spirit already in us mm -hmm. we've already got it exactly we've already got all of these amazing things inside of us it just needs to grow it just right. needs to come out as fruit <laughs> mm -hmm. however that happens <laughs> mm -hmm. amazing switch right and i could i could I, you know, and when, when we take this home and we to think about it in real life, yeah. I know we've had those moments where we'll be kind of freaking out about something, just stressed out about something, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then that flesh is like, don't look like you got much peace right now. And it's almost like, you know, your flesh sticking its tongue out at you. Like, mm -hmm. what, you know, all this, you got all this Jesus, what's going on? Why are you sweating? Right? But see, how do we respond? Remind yourself of the truth. Mm -hmm. That's really what it's going to be. Yeah. And that, I think, more and more is is what our, our role is, particularly amongst other believers, is to keep encouraging them up in the truth and to, to pray in that way, too. As, as we pray and intercede for each other, it's it's praying that we'll grow in knowing what we've already got. And that's what I'm seeing as I start looking at the prayers of, well, particularly Paul, but but many of the others as well, is, um, it well, the New Testament prayers, particularly uh, in the letters, it's, it's so much addressing... Um, You've already got this, and I pray that the Lord will enhance it in your life so that you'll know what you've got versus the Old Testament prayers, which is begging and pleading God for this and that and the mm -hmm. other thing. It seems like the, the believers' prayers are much more about, I've already got it, or, or they've already got it. Show them, teach them, enhance them, help them to realize all of these things that are true already in their lives. Yeah, because I think, you know, it's, but I think we, we got to be careful. You know, people want instantaneous stuff. Yeah. It's like, you know. We do, too. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like we want to read it, you know. I get it all. <laughs> poof, you know, I got peace. Like, bam, you know, we don't, as we talk about here, renewing your mind. Renewing your mind is a process. Yeah, that's right. It takes time. Yeah. You know. I can't expect to be like if Julius has been in the Word for ten years and just been meditating on the Word and 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 I look at his fruit and says, "Man, you know, wow, you know." And okay, but then I want to be where he at. But he didn't spend ten years. I'm just maybe I just got in six months. I'm probably not going to be right there where he at. If he spent that time with God and developed that relationship, okay, yeah. I mean, it's going to take me some time. 
to get what he had. But you know, and then like I said, we want okay, we 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 need prayer and we need something. We want we want it right then, and and not that God can't do it, but. When we talk about renewing the mind, you gotta get in the word and as he said here, you know, the knowledge. Can meditate and the scripture tell us to meditate on scripture day and night. So yeah. you gotta spend time with you know scriptures and but I think we you know, and, and I'm, I think we may all be guilty of it, you know. We want it like yesterday. Wait a minute, you tell me so, but um, it takes time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm thinking I want to counter. Okay. All right, we talking about renewing the mind, right? And not being conformed to the world and its superficial customs. All right, I want to throw a curveball out here. Make I'm gonna make a statement that is culturally correct, but I'll need you to tell me whether it's spiritually correct, biblically correct. Okay. My truth is my truth. That's it. Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. Is that biblically? I mean, is that biblically correct? That's not. To me, it's not biblically correct. I mean, culturally, yeah. Okay. You see, but not biblically. Could remain correct because we have to embrace truth of the word, which is one reason why we got to renew our mind. Okay. So the truth of the word of God is is maybe different from my truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. So if we're not right. facing him, exactly. So on the wrong track. Okay. All right. Should I do okay? Well, if I don't give to the church, I'm gonna be cursed with a curse. Okay, that's that's truth under the old covenant. That's not truth under the new covenant. Okay. Malachi three said, "Will a man rob God? I don't want to rob God." But that's on the on the old covenant, okay? On the old covenant, yeah. You, the curse if you didn't do the curse happened. It, but on the, the new covenant, he took away the curse. So therefore, that's not true. Now see, I went from a cultural statement. A secular culture statement to a church culture statement. That's right. Right. Okay. But both of them were opposed to what? Biblical truth. Yeah. Because what Eric said, the religious skeptic would say, well, he's just talking. He just, he's just bringing that new age gospel. 
No. Galatians 3.13 says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he he took upon himself the curse for all wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Verse 14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he, prom he promised to Abraham so that we are that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That's scriptural truth. I just read it. That ain't my philosophy. I didn't write that. This old Paul wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But church culture is diametrically opposed, right? Right? You better not touch that tie. Better not touch it. Again, and we can get into arguments and fuss and fight all this stuff. Now, people do. Yeah. And and oh, should I should I like get get so incensed that I'm ready to like get up and leave my brethren, my sisters in the Lord over the, over this issue? No, it shouldn't get to that point. It, it, no, it shouldn't. But see, any type of difference in interpretation of scripture like now based on what i read i believe that what tithing is not a requirement under the new testament because of what christ did now is it wrong to do no absolutely not nor any of the other law huh? and the law was good not just it was never the conduit for, for salvation. Uh oh, now see, now Mary getting in trouble now. She <laughs> say the law good. The law is good. Now a, a, a grace person, a, 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 a grace person is getting mad at Mary now. The law is good. What you talking about? I thought you was. I thought you was preaching till you said that. <laughs> well, Romans, Romans seven. Right. You I can't say, tell you which place, but I know it's there. Say. Well, it's Romans 7. Let's go there. Romans 7, good. Still working on these references. <laughs> Romans 7. Let's start at verse 11. Now I'm going to read the New Living Translation. Oh, no, I'm going to start at verse 7. Then we go down to verse 12. It says, well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to my life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me. But still, the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. Verse 13, he says, but how can this be? Did the law, which is good, cause my, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. 
so we can see how terrible sin really is. It used God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So we see that the problem ain't the law. It's with our flesh. Which the next verse says, basically. First we know that the law is spiritual, mm -hmm. but I am carnal. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the whole thing with tithing. Is it, is it good to, to tithe? Absolutely. Because what you what are you doing? You're give you're giving in order for the the vehicle of the the local ministry to continue to function and be a place where people are edified, where God is worshipped, where the community is blessed, where 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 believers are edified. You 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 are caring for the needs of the people in multiple ways when you support the ministry, right? And that's just the stepping stone. I mean, it was put in place just to get us to loosen our pockets. Right. That's we, why I say I got so much more and, mm -hmm. and bless even more. Yeah, actually, that that could be a good starting place for somebody. Now, like I said, as you as you grow in Christ, now growing Christ, you you know now you. Allowing the Holy Spirit, you just to, you know, like, okay, well, I mean, it's going way beyond that, you know, then that 10, when you begin to give, like the Lord wants you to give, it goes way beyond that. But like he said, it's, it's nothing, nothing wrong with it. But I think what we made a mistake here, like he said, we, we, we threw the curse up there and now people are giving out of fear and, and scared they're going to be. God gonna cut everything off, and that's not that's not the way. Because he's we know that God under the new covenant, he's not like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just I would just remember last last week I think it was when y'all had the um, the study on prayer, and somehow they got talking about the time. Mm -hmm. But I remember now one of the guys saying that they went hands off on. Um, keeping track of how much they gave, but he and his wife both decided to just give mm -hmm. from the heart instead of worrying about the percentage. And yeah. they wound mm -hmm. up giving about um, 30% or 40% somewhere in there right. versus the 10%. They did better and still had all the needs met by the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and even that on was the, such a great testimony. Yeah, even on the old company that said, it didn't say tithes, it tithes and offering, which is more... Mm -hmm. Than 10%, which, you know, so if you're going to teach it, you got to teach it right. It says tithe and offering. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said to me, but you can teach, I mean, you can give tithes on the grace. I mean, because it's like, it's not about, hey, you know, I got to give this. It's that, you know what, I want to do this. I want I want to do this. I want to give God mm. this. And so, you know what, it's, and long before I even learned that, um, you know, it's, you're not cursed if you don't do it. I mean, I was giving because, okay, God, compared to what you've done for me, okay, I'm just, I'm giving this. I mean, and it's, it was no problem. Because like I said, it, it's scripture that I love cheerful giver. So I can't be cheerful if I'm fearful yeah. that he gonna just snatch everything from me. You know, so, but we can do it you know, in love, so, but it's just when we do out of fear, I think that's when it becomes a problem, and then if it's taught that way, that's when it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. 
and that's just you know trying to apply the law to a new covenant believer you know you're it is 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 trying to put old wine trying to put new wine old wine skins right. your your mix is a mixture right and both are ruined when there's mixture because when you when you just it if if it's not taught from the new covenant perspective then you're putting people in a place of being motivated by fear like you said and then the both sides are getting robbed the individual that's that's submitting to that fear is being robbed of the blessing of that gift because of the motive and then the minister is being robbed because the only thing the only thing that they're really going to get is that particular gift because the heart that is supposed to be the connected with that gift the goodwill that's supposed to be connected with that gift is not there because there's a there's a drudgery there's a fear that's there and you're creating a culture of mistrust so if there's any kind of inkling of, of something going wrong in that church or whatever some fearful distrusting person is going to be in a in a place to be affected by that right and then you just got this whole toxic culture yeah. Yeah. so both sides are getting robbed I kind of read this the other day, but you know, it's, this is Old Testament, but um, this um, Proverbs chapter 3, you know, verse 9, just reference to it, you know, and this is this is in the Old Covenant, but it says, So thou, so shall thou, I'm reading from King James, so shall, where it says, Nine, it says, I'm the Lord with thy substance. With, with the first fruits of thy increase, and so shall thy bonds be filled with plenty, and thy press shall burst with new wine. It's like, okay, he says, honor me with your something. Think, read for new, it says, honor me with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So, you know, so giving is when you give, you honoring God. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's an honor. Yeah. To give to him, you know, whatever. Uh, it's not something that you know should be, like you said, forced or out of fear. Okay, if you understand, I'm honoring God with my man. That's that's awesome. And with the first fruits of all, you increase that. Right. As a Christian, is remembering that that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So as we're giving it, thinking of it as you know, giving the first fruits of what we have and that's with right off the, the top. remembrance yeah. of Jesus. It's like communion almost. That is right off the top. That is not something that's like, okay, let me wait till I think I got something left. I tried that one time because I was in a ministry where, you know, they was like, okay, well. Try which? I was, you know, in a ministry where they just said, okay, well, you know, give whatever you got left. Oh, whatever you have left. Yeah, and then left. It's not very 
Yeah. Well, people are sticking to just saying, you know, Lord hey, uh, that way. <laughs> you know, give, you know, well, they use the term give from your heart. And what they was literally saying, okay, after you done paid everything, then give God that. And and, and, and the financial state I was in at the time, very few times I had anything left. Yeah. So I, in my mind, I was saying, okay, that can't be right. Because it says here, you know, the first fruits of your increase. I mean, that speaks to me and says, okay, that's, okay, as soon as you get it, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm impressed to give you this. So that's right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Trust for this. Right. But what I'm loving is learning how to see those things as, you know, because we know the whole word is about Christ. And as, as you identify those first fruits of what you give, link it with what we remember about Christ, that he's the first fruits mm-hmm. of, of what God has done and the blessings. And it, I don't know, I just find that really, I find it really exciting <laughs> to always link it with him. Yeah, like because then it becomes a testimony. And, and the Lord says that our testimony is not just for flesh and blood, it's it's in the principalities and powers mm-hmm. that, that there's there's testimony going on as well. Yeah, verse 10, you know, tells you if you do that, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. There's your overflow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So good. All right. So, see, well, what are we doing now? We are renewing our minds to what the scripture says. That's right. All right, now, now let, let's, let's add this, all right? Proverbs 3 says what it says. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. Okay. 2 Corinthians 9, and we're going to start at verse 5. I'm going to go down to verse 11. All right, let's read this in the New Living Translation. All right, this is Paul speaking. He says, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture said, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will produce increase. And he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to to those who need them, they will thank God. 
So now you see how he's speaking to motives, mm-hmm. right? This is what God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse seven. See, this is this is this is the most scariest scripture for preachers right here. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. So it ain't none of your business. Ain't the preacher business. It's for each individual believer. That's that, that's what Paul's saying. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Well, let me ask the question. So is it, I ask you personally, do you think it's wrong for him to teach the principle of tithing? Or should he just, what we say right here? From Acts to Revelation, how many times do I see that word tithe? Because we got an upgrade here. We got something better. I don't see that you're going to introduce it historically, you know, in a sense, bring them up to date. Mm -hmm. You know, because I feel like the church needs to clarify the difference between old and new. And we don't always. Right, right. We separate them and then think they're both part of what we're supposed to be doing. And see, and that's the thing. It's like you, we will teach grace in every area but this. It's true. When it comes to the money, we run it back to the old covenant. And you know, the other thing we don't teach is the manna. I mean, the preacher needs to believe it as in manna. <laughs> that to those who give little, I mean, to those who were able to get little and to those who were able to get a lot, there was always enough for everybody all the time, that God made the increase, that he met their needs, not the congregation. Because we need to receive it through, through Christ. And that's the thing. It's verse 6. Paul is saying, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. So he's really saying it to teach them blessing for the giver. First and foremost, right? Is it? Say it again. What I'm saying is, it says he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if the giver sows sparingly, then he'll also reap sparingly. And the one who gives graciously reaps graciously. Is that right? That's what he's saying. So really, he's speaking to the givers. And And the second part of that, it says, and he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. So that that principle is still active. But when you take the, the pressure of the law off, you're taking these percentages off. You're taking all that stuff off. And you go to verse 7. You're giving that person, you get people have the opportunity to collaborate with the Holy Spirit with their own individual budgets, their own individual income, and their own individual demands. And to be able to do something that's honoring 
to the Lord that they can do where they are and where, where they can have a, a starting point or a place where they can grow and develop. And that's too, yeah. You know, because you, you know, because we can get in the whole 10% thing and 15, 20, you know, but what about that person who's in a circumstance where they can, with the, the, the demands that's on them in their present moment, they can give 3% or two. Are they less? Are they less? Yeah. But what if they're, if, if they're doing that with a cheerful heart, do you think that God is not going to honor that? You got the widow's mic. She had how many mics? Two? I don't know if that was 10%. I don't know where the mic even is. But they say it was all she had, right? Yeah, so she, she, had she, she gave all she had. Right? She gave 100%. And yes. the thing I was thinking is that with the other one, they gave out their surplus, which means, okay, they may have gave, you could have gave, they could have gave five. They could have gave 15 or 15, 20. 20. But it was out there surplus. Yeah, the surplus. Yeah. It wasn't all that. So she gave 100% of what she had. So basically, when it comes to giving, it's, it's about percentage. It's not necessarily about monetary value, but it's about percentages. You know, so it says here, okay, you, you must decide you know, how much you want to give. Okay. But I think the scripture for this says, okay, well, King James verse said, you, you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully, you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If I look at, in verse 7, it says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now look at the word purposeth, purposeth. Strong's definition says, to choose for oneself before another thing. That is to purpose, to intend. So, again, that's between you and the Lord. Yeah. Being intentional, setting something aside. And again, you know, we talk about renewing our minds. This right here, this is not what I heard coming up. I ain't even know this was in the Bible until I read it for myself. Yeah. All I well, knew, all I knew was Malachi three. <laughs> well, I heard it. You know, I heard this, but it was tied. It was, it was put together with tithing. So it was like, okay, you know, Malachi. And then they did use this, but it's like, okay, they merged those two together. It's taught with a lot of fear. You know, so afraid that if you don't, you know, if you step over the line one way or the other, that something's going to go wrong with your relationship with the Lord. Like, I do a word search for the word tithe. See how many times, how many books is, is in in the Old Testament? Now look at the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Only once 
on, only in one book, and it's Hebrews. And you know, Hebrews is talk is 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 talking about Jesus being the sacrifice. That's right. The other two times are in Matthew and Luke. It ain't in none of the epistles. That's right. So again, you know, it, it's like a it is self-limiting when you focus in on that ten and teach law. Because yeah, but you this can this is what we really need to teach. Is it, that it's because you open in the door the for the Holy Spirit yeah. to 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 be free to move through people. And that's the whole thing about and, and it's it's not just about the money, it's about how to to grow in all aspects of our of our life but this is what we need to start with is we need to start teaching where's the new covenant begin and we need to separate old and new covenant i think that's that's like i'm wrestling with that again even in my church because of um you know we have we just did a study in exodus and yeah, there were a lot of good things spoken, but there was also a lot of, um, there were things spoken that made it sound like this is um, the, where we're still living today, and, and, it, and it wasn't. You know, the, the new covenant has changed things. And I just feel like we need to, we really need to be constantly coming back and saying, you know, we need to say what's old covenant, what's new covenant. Let's make sure we know what has happened since the cross. And and that's what I'm seeing right here in Second Corinthians. It's changed the whole picture. For the heart, it may look the same, you know, in some situations, but the heart has totally shifted. like anti-religious man for real but again scripture says what the traditions of men make the word of God of none effect and we talk about and that, that renewing the mind deciphering between what's tradition and what's biblical truth and that's what Jesus was bumping up against all the way through his ministry you know, I think of the Sermon on the Mount, it was all about taking the traditions of the church at the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> if you want to call it that, you yeah. know, and, and saying, oh, but the kingdom of heaven, so much higher, so much deeper. Go to Romans six. Let's call it verse fifteen. I'll read this now, fine. Down to seventeen says. And Paul is ask, asking this famous question again. Yeah. What then shall we sin 
because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are the ones, slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that through that, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm a slave of righteousness. Now renew your mind to that. Because if I'm a slave of righteousness, how can I just be a sinner saved by grace? One of them got to be true and one of them got to be false. I can't be a slave of righteousness and be a, just a sinner saved by grace. It's got to be one or the other. And see, and this is where the rubber meets the road in reference to even, you know, you talk about ministry. Does does the reality, reality of this truth have enough power to change people? Or do I have to put a little law in to try to control people's behavior? That's the question. And, you know, we keep talking about money because that's really the easiest way to see it. How that, how the you should do this teaching is used to try to produce holiness versus the teaching of God's grace. What he has done. Because if I, again, if we really recognize, if we understand, like Peter's talking about, we have a knowledge of what Christ has done, of who he is. That's what's going to produce grace and peace. That's what the fruit is. Because my, my I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is responding to how good he's been. Instead of trying to keep some external law, some external guidelines. Which again just uses human initiative, which eventually fails. Because there's always a circumstance that changes the picture. There's always something that that our enemy is gonna throw in to mix up the batch and say, can't do that. I mean, I think of exercise because that's always one of my bugaboos. And trying to learn to do that by grace. Whoa. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's there, as soon as you get on a program and say, I am going to do this, I'm going to stick to it. Sure enough, somebody in your family falls and breaks a hip or, you know, you have an accident or 
something changes in your sphere and you realize again I can't do this rigidly I can't do this in myself Christ has to work it through me and he's the creative force I'm not <laughs> I get stuck in the ruts right he's the one that can can change the circumstances he can change me he can just change my ideas of what it means to get exercise every day and see and that's what it is right that's there so beautiful that's good because that that whole because if I'm if I'm rigid and I'm counting on my own will when those barriers excuse me when they come mm -hmm. I'm done I'm done. Screw it's it. happened so many times. I'm like, then, yeah, I'm just a, a, a fatty, <laughs> not, 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 not saved by grace. I'm just going to enjoy these cookies and whatever, right? But if if my my mindset is different, where I'm not like, I'm like, okay, I'm disappointed that I I wasn't able to do it this way, but Holy and Spirit, that's not wrong. but Holy Spirit helped me to like to pivot here. Right, right. And then he'll be like, okay, well, you know, you got, you got stairs, right, up here. And you know that dog need to get walked. Mm -hmm. Why don't you just put your, your ear pods in, take the dog for a walk. You do Our that. they're out in the parking lot. <laughs> And just, just little thing. stuff like that. The next thing you know, you look at your stepometer and it's like, I'm doing more than I was when I was going to the gym. See, there's that tithe versus giving from the heart again. There you go. I'm telling you. Yeah. And I think, you know, and we, we limit tithe, quote unquote, to money or offerings to money. And it's Romans 12, all over again, a living sacrifice. It's every part of our life. And that's the thing. And it's like giving out, out of your surplus, like versus actually sacrif what sacrificing mm -hmm. is, right? Because you can be in a place financially where you can give 40% of your investment dividend income. Now, if you just and look at it financially, and, 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 and you could be getting drunk all week, it's your investment doing the work. How honorable is, I mean, is it a blessing to whatever ministry you give it to? Oh, yeah, sure enough. Because it's, it's tangible. Give is a tangible gift. But how much of a sacrifice is that? Versus the person that's, maybe they're giving 8%, but... They also are doing some mentoring for the kids at church on on every other weekend, and they they usher three three out of four Sundays, and they they do um, geriatric ministry once a month. This person is taking time to sow into people's lives directly. As well as the, the, the tangible gift. They can give like the investment guy is. But who's, who is presenting their, their body as a living sacrifice more? And yet, even that, we have to be careful because, again, if it's not with the Lord mm -hmm. from the heart, but what if that, but, even uh, all uh, those pieces, because I know a lot of church people that, that that'll do that. spend their life in the church doing all of this ministry. Mm -hmm. But they still 
just haven't connected with the Lord on right. it. Right. And that's and it's see, the, it's the compelling. It's the it's mm -hmm. not the compelling. So. And so we can't wow, look. It's a culture. So on it's the out, we can't just look so at the outside, it, yeah. right? It ain't. It's not just about what's going on the outside. Mm -hmm. It's more to it than what meets the eye. Yeah. Which take you to Romans two. I am learning a few of these references. <laughs> <laughs> so the best thing is to be a part of that. Mind your own business ministry. Working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, right? And again, and and doing that, and just you know, you as an individual, and just enjoying your walk with the Lord, that's what's going to set the stage for your individual personal growth and spill over to the people that you come in contact with. Which brings back to the witness. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you in a couple weeks.